see we're on a mission from God. I'm your host, Amanda Qureshi, and today I am interviewing someone who is a local musician. She's actually the front woman for an indie rock band called Parker Woodland here in Austin, Texas, and she's also the bassist for a queer rock band called Butch County, and as if that weren't enough, she's a universe, uh, what a Unitarian Universalist minister, a former YMCA director, a Zumba teacher activist, and mom of two. So welcome to the podcast, Erin Walter. Thank you. I feel a little tired just listening to that list, but you know, I don't do it all at once. <laughs> yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Okay. So you are very busy. You do a lot of interest and, and all of those things are interesting, right? Thank you. Yeah. I try only to do fun and interesting things, preferably to make the world a better place. <laughs> Excellent. Boy, that, that sounds familiar. I mean, that is also yeah. kind of my agenda. There's a quote, you know, the the E.B. White quote about getting up every day, trying to figure out how to um, how to both have fun and do good in the world. And, you know, it's not always an easy task. Absolutely. Well, the, the quote that I have memorized is from the Black liberation theologian Howard Thurman, which is, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And I imagine, you know, he was speaking in particular to Black people in the Black community with that. And so I try to keep that in mind. But I think that's good wisdom uh, for anyone, um, I hope. Oh, I think that's just good, 100% good human advice right there. I, I, I think yeah. we all would be yeah. much, we'd all be happier if every one of us were doing what we were supposed to be doing. But, you know. Whatever. I'm I'm glad you found your way. <laughs> <laughs> We're each trying. We're each trying. Exactly. It's nice to connect with someone else who who has a similar mission in the world. And I I've followed your work a little bit and and friends have said, "You need to connect with Amanda." And so I'm so happy to get a chance yeah. to visit with you. I've been inspired listening to your podcast and hearing about what you're up to. I love when you talk about living out loud. I'm all about that. I I usually call it meaning it. <laughs> I'm all about meaning it. Yeah, that's great. Part of it, I mean, you know, we talked a little bit before we started recording, but I think part of it is I was not that way for a very long time. And middle age has done me a, a lot of favors. I reached a point just a few years ago where I finally feel comfortable enough to just say, meh, fuck it, and just do yeah. exactly what I want in the way that I want to do it. And I only wish I'd started sooner. I definitely feel that way about, in some ways, about wishing I started sooner. I, I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'm I'm still, I'm trying. And I feel like that's a lot of what I'm grappling with, with my music and Parker Woodland. But also, um, we're recording this podcast on Father's Day. And so what whatever piece of like, you know, it's not life and death, just go for it that I do have. I, a lot of it comes from my father passed away suddenly when I was 24. And it was really shocking. And he was someone that was really vibrant. And, and so for me, a lot of the things that I had been scared of, like became less scary because it was like, oh no, I've lived through the worst thing I'd ever imagined. 
and I survived and I know what life and death is now. And so like, if I get a shitty haircut, not life and death, if I play one of my songs on guitar, even though I'm not really a guitarist yet, and it's just super rudimentary, but like I model for people that like, it's okay to show up imperfectly. Great. You know, like that's not life and death. And so, um, you know, today being father's day, my heart's a little, a little heavy, even after all these years, but also a lot of my songs are inspired by my dad. And, and, and that's kind of where that, like, live your life to the fullest is rooted, I would say. So I think of him today, David Walter. Oh, <laughs> all right. Good. I, I mean, he was obviously a awesome dude if he, thanks. if he was able to produce an Aaron Walter. Oh, thanks. Well, he was human, like, like all of us. And that's the other piece, right? right. Is like letting ourselves just be human and um, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if you know enough about the podcast to recognize that we have to start with icebreaker questions. Oh, yeah. 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 I remember that. Okay. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> so there's three of them and okay. they are really easy. You're going to ace cool. all of them. The first question is, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Oh, God. As I was watching TV last night, I was thinking about how I was going to probably have to answer this question. I felt bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the God's honest truth. Well, I'll say one thing. I was watching a leadership TED Talk on YouTube today. That's the most positive thing, um, if we're going to count that. But I'm going to just be honest. Um, Last night, I watched like six or seven episodes in a row of Law & Order SVU, which is... I am not proud of because I mean, but it's like those procedurals Uh where you can just kind of zone out and I never get to zone out. Never. It's a long story, but I'm staying with a friend for a couple of days. And so like, I don't have any of the responsibilities of my house or my kids right now. And so like, I I can't remember the last time I watched, I binge watched anything. And so she has like antenna TV Uh and law and order SBU was on, but I, but I should say that like, I also really believe in defunding the police and reducing policing. And so like, it it feels like kind of watching cop propaganda. So I'm just like, I feel a little bad about it, but man, I needed to lie on a couch for like six, seven hours. Understood. Understood. (laughs) So I, you know what? I don't know. Like I do think, because actually the last podcast I just published, we were having this conversation about like murder shows, right? Like we, we love to watch murder shows and I don't, And I also feel that way. Like, I am not, like, I don't feel like I'm totally into police culture or anything. But yet I watch a lot of shows with police and um, and detectives and things like that. And yeah. I think part of it is the whole, the mystery part. Like, I watch a lot of yeah. traditional murder mysteries, too, where there's, like, a detective right. and all that. And I really just like the whole idea of, like, looking for the answers and trying to piece things together and... And a yes. really good procedural does that. So exactly, and and in, and my friend and I, I said the same thing to her that I said to you about about all that. And and we came, what we came down to was like, what really would have been the the perfect comfort food is if we watched like six or seven episodes of Veronica Mars because that's great. It's like that same kind of detective procedural, but you've got a young woman in charge and da da da. So next time, <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. I've never seen Veronica. Mars. Oh my gosh. I highly recommend Yeah? yeah. Okay. Yeah, All right. Absolutely. All right. In the course of this podcast, just by asking people what they watch on TV, I have discovered some amazing TV. So I think it's a good question to ask. It is a good question. It is a good question. And and as a minister, so many 
times we go like people will complain about small talk in in the world for me there's like no small talk like like i, I just went straight to my father's death in this, <laughs> talk, in this you know like as a minister there's just like it goes deep so fast and i and it is really nice to be able to talk about tv or like what's your favorite concept album or something you know like music stuff like i that's a nice sort of middle place of what art are you consuming yeah for sure for sure agreed i have the same feeling and that's kind of why i do my podcast in this format and start with these questions because I don't, I, I feel like a lot of times everybody wants to promote these great ideas, these great thoughts and, you know, right. all of this austere stuff that they're doing in life. And the reality is the minutia and the common things and the, the silliness is where you actually get the true essence of who people are. And I am so much more fascinated by that than these yeah. lofty yeah <laughs> lofty and goals. I miss, well and 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 there's also like once you get into this ideas place or theology or like trying to make the world a better place like but you have to you've got to laugh there's got to be laughter there's got to be fun like that's a big part and we'll get to that later of what I am about in my stuff but like you know this morning I was cracking up reading a book about like with pictures of like cake fails <laughs> where somebody put put instructions of what to write on a cake and it just went so wrong. Um, and I was just laughing so hard. So, I mean, we just, we, we all really, really need that in our life. That's hilarious. Yeah. Okay. The second question for you, for our icebreaker is what is the last book that you read? What is the last book that I read that I have so many books that I'm reading. I, I like love books and I well, no, I'll just tell you what's sitting right here that I, I sometimes have insomnia and I woke in the night. So I, I've been reading this little gem, Dream More, Celebrate the Dreamer in You by Dolly Parton. Um, and it's, it's lovely. Just a little nugget of Dolly Parton telling us to dream more and what could be wrong with that? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. yes. Oh, that sounds so, I, you know what? I, um. It was about a month ago. I listened to uh, RuPaul's book on audio. And it was the same kind of thing. In the night, I often wake up in the middle of the night. And, yeah. and I don't want to do anything too stimulating. So I'll just listen to some audiobook and usually nothing too intense. And uh, it was it was actually nice. And this, again, goes back. I don't think it has to be great art or great literature to to have an impact. And so... I'm all about these these little kind of books with anecdotes and personal stories and, you know, little drops of wisdom from people that I like and admire. So I, I think that oh, sounds yeah. great. Dolly Parton's rad yeah. as hell. Oh, I know. I love her. But yeah. And, and in terms of a book that I did, I recently, so a couple that I've recently finished that I loved so much, the latest book from Meg Barnhouse, who is another UU minister, but also a writer and musician. And I can't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but if you just look up Meg Barnhouse, I loved her latest book and I loved Kathy Valentine's um autobiography ah, yeah 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 love 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 yeah. so I recommend those also. I have not read it yet but it is on my list of books to read I love Kathy Valentine she's awesome yeah all right well the final question for you in our icebreakers is what did you have for breakfast today I had so much coffee um, <laughs> that I made in some kind of coffee contraption that my friend that I'm staying with couldn't even pronounce. <laughs> 
sounds like a French, I don't know what it was, but um, it involved boiling water in a kettle and pouring it over because um, she's not a coffee drinker, but she has this contraption for when friends stay over. And then I had Greek yogurt, granola, and blueberries. Oh, that sounds delightful. And it was. Very it nice. was lovely. I love breakfast. I kind of delay it as long as I can because I like like a slow morning when I can get one. Yeah. Um, which is rare, but today was one of those days where I got a slow morning yeah. and it was nice. Excellent. Yeah, I do. So breakfast is, uh, for a long time, I hated it because it just was, it just seemed like a, a chore in the morning. But after mm. the pandemic, we were all home. My whole family was stuck at home and I just, you know, I just started making breakfast every day because I had the time to do it before work. And I ended up really liking it. And then realizing, oh, this is, it doesn't have to be, you know, you know, slam something down as you run out the door. You can actually sit down and savor your breakfast. And then it kind of sets you up for the day. It becomes a very nice ritual. Yeah. I, I love rituals, whether that's like a daily thing mm -hmm. um, with your meal or with your food or with your tea or something, or, you know, whether it's annual things. I just, I think rituals are really really special. And, and that word sounds so major, but it can be so little. Yep. I, I just, you know, to me in the pandemic, honestly, in a way, doing the dishes every day became something of like a meditative practice or a ritual because before the pandemic, I was definitely not doing the dishes every day. I was not somebody who needed my sink to be empty. We almost never ate at home. Um, but now it's like easily we fill up the dishwasher once a day mm -hmm. and it's just like a, a ritual and a practice that I feel kind of proud of. It's like, oh, I did this every day because I'm not a natural like housekeeper or anything like that. <laughs> nice. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, yeah I agree yeah. with that. I agree with that. There are certain things that I do on a regular basis that don't, uh, well, some of them are actually very meaningful for me, but they're not, um, they wouldn't have any meaning to anyone else, but you know, they're, they're meaningful to me. And then there are the little things that we do on a daily basis, even just the way that I prepare the coffee every night before I go to bed, like little things like that, that sort of keep me in this rhythm. And that allows yeah. me to you know, live my optimal life. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I think that's great. I really, I really believe in um, sort of the flow of spirit in your life, mm -hmm. however you want to define that. Like if you can get in a flow of trusting yourself, you're listening to your body, listening to your spirit about what you need at any given time, the opportunity whenever you can to not force something, but trust that it's going to happen, especially when you're like a creative person and you're trying to balance like motherhood and art and all of these things. Um, I just love that. And so having some of those rhythm touchstones, like how you do your coffee and things like that, I think help keep you in a flow I in see. a way. Wow. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I, we're on the same page, Erin. <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad you're getting to connect. <laughs> okay. The universe brings people together. <laughs> yes, it does. Okay. So um, great job on the icebreakers. Thanks. And now I'm going to talk to you about music because I yes. love music and you are a musician. So <laughs> uh, when did you start? When did you start the band life? When were you? Because that's, that's pretty awesome. Thank you. So this band, Parker Woodland, is my first band that I've fronted. I'm the songwriter and the singer for, in addition to being the bassist. Mm -hmm. um, and it has just set my soul on fire. Um, I'm so happy to be doing this. 
it scares the crap out of me. I wake up in the night every night. I wake up every morning before I have the coffee and I am like, why am I doing this? Why am I putting so much energy into something, you know? And then I have my cup of coffee and I'm like, it's on, like, let's do the next thing. Um, but you know, I have so much, I have the usual, I think, amount of doubts that human beings have, or, or maybe especially that like women are ingrained around having or artists have. But I, every day, I, I just am so excited to push through those mm-hmm. and see how I can grow as a musician. But I was a bass player in other people's bands, bands that, you know, were also my bands because I was in them. But, you know, I joined bands that already existed and became the bass player and, and brought my sort of special hair flinging flavor <laughs> to those other bands for many, many years in Austin and in Chicago when I lived there. Um, And I loved all that. It was great. But there was always this part of me that wanted to be a singer, wanted to write songs, just had no idea how to go about it. And I just think it's something that's happened little by little. I went to seminary to become a Unitarian Universalist minister. And of course, music is a part of the church experience. Mm -hmm. Um, All kinds of musicians come out of that, whatever your denomination, you know, from like Beyonce comes out of that. Like, you know, there's all kinds of people coming out of that. And, um, you know, there's, there was like a big kind of Christian punk scene that I wasn't even aware of at first. And then one day I was like, what? A lot of the bands that I like come from that. Um, I mean, as a Unitarian Universalist, I identify more as a spiritual humanist. But anyway, that is just to say that, you know, music is a part of like the faith community world. And I think going to seminary and really honing in on what my beliefs are, what my message is, how I want to be in the world helped bring out of me like the voice to write songs maybe. And then I met a group of neighbors and we just... I got invited to jam with them and little by little it was like, Oh, maybe I could do this, you know? And so I just, I just, I feel like songs just started coming out of me. Like I would go home and just like, boom, like write a song, the world's on fire and we still fall in love. And a lot of the songs on that EP and they're just, they came out of me pretty fast. And so it's just been this thrilling and invigorating time prior to the pandemic, the pandemic, that's a whole other story of, of all the things I've been grappling with to keep it going, you know? But yeah, no, it's, I am rooting my life in music from here on out. It's always been a part of my life, but um, I lost my director job at the YMCA because of the pandemic, um, as did many, many people at the YMCA. And so I have gone from incorporating music into my day job, into my ministry, into my mothering, into my, you know, just my fun to wanting it to be like the center of my life. Wow. That's pretty intense. I mean, most people, (laughs) no, seriously, like uh, most people's first inclination when they get laid off or fired or whatever from a job is not to start a band or to, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, that's at so least funny. at least not in their forties. Like at that point, you're you're supposed to be like freaking out and like you know I don't know going yeah. going back to school or something. I don't know. But I love right. this idea of just being like you know, I'm gonna go ahead and uh, and do this thing that clearly is much more enjoyable than anything else I've been doing in my life. And <laughs> and I mean, yeah. Can I tell you about some of the like magical alignments? Yeah, please do. Okay. So the band existed before the pandemic. We, you know, it organically grew out of this jam of like five neighbors. It's called Parker Woodland because 
we practiced at and most of us lived near the intersection of Parker Lane and, and Woodland Avenue in Austin, Texas, uh-huh. just um, southeast of downtown. So we call it Parker Woodland in celebration of community. We also used to jokingly call it first grade dads because everybody was a dad of a first grader except me. <laughs> I also had a first grader, um, but that was like the joke name. But anyway, the band emerged we recorded our first EP. We, we, um, you know, announced ourselves, like took a picture, scheduled shows, um, in 2019 and we played half a dozen shows. It was super fun. Um, we were having a great time, but it was not anything like, it wasn't trying to be like the center, I would say of, of everybody's lives or anything like that. Although I was very, very excited about it, but I had a job. We all had jobs. We all had families. Um, and then we also shot our first music video for the world's on fire. And we still fall in love at my house. It was like a house party, super fun, like bubbles and wigs and trampoline and pancake making and all of that. Um, and you can see it on YouTube. It's like, a a testimony to fun. Um, but then we shot the video right before then the pandemic shutdown happened. The footage that you see in the video is the last time I had my whole community together in my house, the last time my band played together in that formation. Um, and then it was shut down. Mm, Yep. And so I did spend those first four months, six months really grappling with like, how do I do my job as a YMCA chaplain, um, from home how do I parent, you know, two kids, an elementary and a middle schooler who are, you know, home. My, my partner, my husband moved his business home. So that was a whole thing. Um, and so the band was pretty on hold for a good six months, maybe, or five months. Um, but then when I lost my job, like I took my kids kayaking a little bit. <laughs> I took a breath. I cried a lot. I, I mourned. But then I got the video edit back from the editor Ah. for the world on fire video right after this happened. And it was, I loved it. I was so excited. And all of the Unitarian Universalist churches were meeting on zoom. Oh, so I'm a community minister, which means I serve in the community, whether as a Y director or a musician or a dance instructor, any of those things to kind of bring you, you values of love and acceptance and, and justice into the wider community. So I, I, I guest preach for congregations, but I'm not your Sunday church minister uh-huh. in the same church all the time. So, but congregations anywhere, suddenly I could be in their pulpit over Zoom. Uh-huh. So I ended up doing a service for a congregation in Indiana where I shared our music video. I was like, here's a sneak peek. Let's talk about joy practices for hard times. Uh, let's talk about what community looks like. And it was, it went so well that I then was like, oh, well, I could do this. So then I ended up reaching out to all these churches and crafted like a hundred congregation virtual tour. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what like paid for my life, basically. Like that's what took over for like losing my job. Um, And so I was able to use my music in those church services to talk about joy and hard times, to talk about the fact that the world's on fire and there is still love. Um, and, and center music, but still do my professional life, still get paid. You know, it was just a big shift into freelancing, which is like its own hustle. So anyway, so that's how that's been possible, right? It wasn't, I, I don't want to give anyone the impression that like I got laid off and it was like, let's have a band. <laughs> it sounds so good. Um, but it was more like, oh my God, look at all these alignments. How can I seize this day? Like, how can I make lemonade out of these lemons kind of yeah. thing? Um, so I'm super proud of that. I'm sorry, that's a very long explanation, but it's been it's been quite the journey this year. No, I think that's good, but it, there's still a requirement there 
to be open to doing something different, right? Yes. And I think a lot of times when something doesn't work out or when we're on a very specific path or trajectory and things go awry, our first inclination is to to try to pull ourselves back to that same trajectory and yes. look for exactly the same thing to keep doing, right? As opposed yes. to being like, well, okay, that's not there anymore. What other possibilities are there? And it's not, an, this is not a, I mean, I, I don't think that this is something that people naturally do. I think you have to, right. you have to teach yourself or, or commit yourself to staying open, but that's where yes. all the really cool stuff happens. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And what I was saying about sort of like being in a sense of flow, listening to your body, listening to your spirit is is something that I, I learned with my spiritual director, Kat Cox, who's out in California. Um, and I'm so thankful for the work that I did with her around that. And I will say, like, I applied for some nonprofit jobs in those first few months because I wasn't sure. And, and I... Yeah, it was a really hard, it was a hard call in a lot of ways. And there were a few of those jobs where, you know, it was me and somebody else. We were like down to the final two candidates and the final round interviews. And I was really doing everything I could to put my best foot forward. And I was thinking like, God, I miss having a team. I miss being part of an organization that's like explicitly fighting for justice as a team. Um, And still when I didn't get each of those couple of jobs, I still felt relief. And when that final last one that I I really felt was like the closest possible thing that I might actually want to do if I put myself back into that nonprofit director box, when even that I felt the a, a good amount of relief in addition to the disappointment, I was like, all right, that's it. Like you need to stop spending your energy because it's a lot of energy to apply for jobs. Oh, yeah. I was like you need to you need to stop spending your energy on applying for these jobs. You need to put your this is your chance to put it all on music and and your ministry on music and all of that. Like this is your chance. When else are you going to do this? Wow. So I just stop. People do still send me job leads, and I always tell my friends, send them to me. I will look at them. You never know. I don't. I want to stay open to everything. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm really, really, really trying to put, you know, that's my love music. I could talk about music all day long. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention wanting to sing and make it all day long. (laughs) But for some reason, you know, when you're an adult, (laughs) you get told that, um, or, or you're made to feel very, uh, silly for wanting to do things that aren't, uh, I'm going to say quote unquote serious. Um, Not that music is not serious, but I, in other people's view or, or that seems unrealistic, right? So if you say, right. I want to be an artist or I want to be a musician, you know, a professional musician at that stage in life, right. well, I guess maybe at every stage in life, but especially when you get older, people are like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? That's not even realistic. You're just, you know, chasing, you know, moonbeams. And yeah. what do you say to that? What do you say to that? Yeah. I mean, I have that voice in my own head, like I said, on a regular basis. Um, I just like, I I really believe what, what Howard Thurman said that we need to come alive that, and I really believe that this is the one life, you know, the experience I had with losing my dad is that life is short. Um, And if not now, when, and, and thankfully there's enough examples out there now. I mean, I think I would have put myself full on into the leading a band at a very young age, if I had had girls rock camp 
as an example, or if there had been more teaching of what the music industry is, um, music class, because when you think about it, it's a whole huge industry and business. People work in the music industry left and right from radio to, you know, music licensing to engineering to, I mean, you can't go anywhere. You sit in a restaurant, you hear music, you're watching a TV show, there's music, like you're shopping, there's music. Um, And so that's also something that I keep trying to lift up to people, especially to parents and kids is like, if your kid is interested in art, like don't discourage them. Just find out how the industry works yeah. if it's important to you that they're successful. Cause it's, it's a real thing and there's no guarantees in practically any industry anymore, if ever there was, but certainly not anymore. So I'm just telling myself that I, this is, I just have to like have a stronger voice than that other voice because that, that other voice is there. Right. <laughs> Um, no, I, yeah. I, a hundred percent. And it's interesting that you kind of brought in the experience you had with your dad. I had a same, uh, a similar experience during the pandemic. My mother-in-law who was staying with us, uh, passed away, not, not from COVID, but from, a um, heart disease. And it was, it was, you know, just shocking. Like we, we yeah. had thought she was you know, getting better and all of that. But that was such a profound, that had such a profound impact on me as far as the outlook on my own life and my understanding of what life and death are. And neither of those things, it it ended up not being awful. It actually was very natural. It suddenly brought everything into very clear focus for me. And I wasn't, I wasn't afraid anymore. I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, that's what it is. So now how do I make the best of this while I'm here? And uh, yeah. And, and I, and then I turned into a crazy drag queen. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. it. My kids, my kids and I have been watching um, and my husband, some have been watching drag race recently because they they just love it my son is nine and my daughter's 12 and 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 you know I love for my son in particular to have this these role models this this getting to see people living you know fully in this particular way um no matter who he ends up being in terms of his gender or sexuality expression or any of that for him to have you know the drag culture be something he's aware of and that's like you know celebrated. I'm just, I, I love that. Um, I take very seriously, you know, raising kids who are going to just like live out loud, like you've said, or, you know, who support other people living fully. And, yeah. but, but going back to what you said about it being natural, um, for years after my dad died, my uncle Jeff and I would call each other on the day that he died just to remind each other. And we would just say like, I'm just calling to remind you that it was beautiful. Um, you know, the last moment, as hard as it was to lose him, because he was in a coma for five days before um, we turned off machines. Um, but just that moment where he did actually go fully was such just full of beauty and grace. And, and we just remind each other of that um, as often as we can. Yeah. How does this fit in? Just to touch on yeah. the, the aspect of the other band that you're part of. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned that you were part of this queer rock band. Yeah. yeah? So what is Absolutely. what does that look like and how does that factor in with your ministry, with mm-hmm. Parker Woodland and staying open and doing things that are affirming for you? Yeah. 
Well, I give thanks every day for being invited into Butch County, which is the band that I've played bass in for, gosh, seven or eight years probably. Uh Um, I met the front person, Katie Kuntz, in Zumba at the Town Lake YMCA. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, there's a metal, you know, metalhead like in the front row of Zumba. Like this is where I belong. (laughs) Um, And then because Katie dresses like a rocker, no matter where she goes. But um, Butch County represents, you know, Katie's lived experience. We have someone coined the term silicone cock rock (laughs) because it's kind of like, it's both a butch women's and kind of a trans and non-binary experience or, or, you know, voice in these songs that, that Katie writes. I just, I love this band so much. We play a lot of like queer festivals, pride. Um, We're a part of the queer and trans women's music scene. um, And it's just an incredible scene to be a part of. People are, you know, making incredible music across different genres. But Butch County is kind of like, I always tell people if Van Halen or ACDC was like a queer women's band. Yeah, it's super fun. Um, we're we're on a bit of a hiatus right now, still coming out of the pandemic. People still dealing with like lives and health things and such. But but I love that band. And and it's you know I'm a cis straight woman. Um, I've just been honored to be invited into that band and a part of that community. And and I I love playing bass. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else to say about it except that I just can't wait until Butch County comes back. And I oh I will also say that Katie's wife Paige Schilt wrote a book called Queer Rock Love oh. about their family and their life, and it's super good. And I sometimes quote passages from it from the pulpit. So there's <laughs> there's some intersection of of Butch County and ministry right wow. there. Um, but it it's a book that tells the story of like a, a queer and trans family in a positive light because when, I remember Paige talking about you know there's so many books about the trans experience that are there's a lot of trauma yeah. and, and this book queer rock love like even in the name you can hear it's like a celebratory thing and there's hard things in the book but but it's it's a more sort of positive family story yeah I say. yeah I do think I, I think a lot about this because you know so much activism and I'm part of this you know culture is about calling attention to what's wrong in the world and right. At a certain point, it can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming to you as the messenger. It can be overwhelming to those who you're trying to message to. And the ability to frame things in a positive light or to show people um, a a model of what it looks like to do it right or to have, you know, have these experiences that uh, that are actually healthy and good and positive and contributing to <laughs> to society in a good right. way is to me a, is is very compelling. Which is not to say that you want to ignore. Like obviously, there's trauma. There are things that need to be reckoned with and things that need to be confronted. But also, you have to be able to point people to something and say, this is what it should be. This is how it can be so that they can visualize it. Because I do think people, you know, you, you can't tell people that you have to show them what it's supposed to be. And, and that's where, you know, so much of what happened, like even with the, uh, you know, in the LGBTQ movement, you saw all of the popular culture that kind of grew up through the late 80s, 90s, and 2000s that allowed people who were sitting at home in their, you know, (laughs) Midwestern homes, right, watching TV to see, oh, that's what that's all about. 
it's you know it's not what so and so is saying it is it's you know th- these are the kinds of people that that I can relate to um right and I just I yeah yeah go ahead go ahead no 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 I was just gonna say when you talk about um having um some positivity or joy in the world of activism I always and you asked about books earlier I I think we always want to lift up um the work of Adrienne Marie Brown Mm -hmm. pleasure activism and emergent strategy are great books that touch on that um really well and I didn't know when I was writing the world's on fire and we still fall in love that it would be basically become my personal theme song my ministerial theme song Parker Woodland's theme song but I mean that's what I'm trying to express all the time is is that we must we must balance, integrate, hold both that there, there are struggles in the world that we must not turn away from. We must be working toward liberation. And there's no way we're going to do that without joy and art and music and beauty and love. Like we're going to get through and move forward because we have those things, right. you know, centered. And yeah, I think, I think you, things can get pretty downery pretty quick, yep. um, particularly in kind of white activism. And I, I think it's because you see, you know, in black culture, you see black girl magic, you see yep. like a celebration in our, um, you know, Latina and, and other people of color um, in their cultures. And so I think for white activists, that's one of our challenges right now is, is how to do the work and find what's like authentic joy practices for us. Agreed. Too. Agreed. I think that's absolutely right. And, and I think that that we're going to be better allies if we can, like, we will be better allies if we can do that. Because I think uh, a lot of times it just becomes this sort of self-loathing spiral that ends up focusing on us, right? As white right. people, right. as opposed right. to, uh, you know, having healthy and and positive energy to contribute toward change. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking about your own loss, and again, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear about that. And that's much more recent than my own. But um, as I'm writing music about loss, I am often asking myself or thinking about, you know, something I learned in seminary, which is they always tell you about sermons, you don't want to leave people in the valley. Yeah. So, you know, you want to you want to talk about what's hard and then you want to bring people up out of the valley by the end of the sermon mm-hmm. to give them hope, to give them something to take action with or something. And so like, for example, um, this, this song later than we think that um, we have our final video from the world's on fire trilogy um, that's coming out right now. It's a song about my father's last words to his sister. She had been, you know, struggling with whether or not to move home to Texas and be near family. And he said to her, you know, sister, come home. It's later than we think. Um, and not knowing that for him, it truly, truly was. Mm. But so the, this, this, that's kind of a sad thing that it's later than we think. But then the next line is in the song is so love yourself. And that was his other message, sort of enduring message to me was always like, if you don't love, if you don't put yourself first, who's going to, right. And to try not to let that be like a selfish feeling, but that you do need to prioritize and love yourself. And so the song is, it's later than we think, so love yourself. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just always trying to figure out how we can both acknowledge pain. Because I tend to be kind of a like a positive, optimistic person. People always talk about, you're so like cheery or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, and I really do want to be honest about where the pain is, but figure out what's the message that can bring us, you know, up as well. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So oh, the other thing I didn't even ask you about, but I wanted you to talk a little bit about Parker Woodland 
tell us about what kind of music that is, because you had already mentioned that uh, Butch County is metal. <laughs> Silicone cock rock. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Picture it. Picture it. Hear it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Parker Woodland, that's a great question. It's kind of emerging. Um, and I say, you know, it's this, the sound of living your life like you mean it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a friend describe it as like, how do you how do you manage that delicate balance of caring deeply and not caring at all? <laughs> and she was like, you managed to do that. So it's, it's indie rock, but you know, I've grown up with all kinds of influences. My dad um, was a huge like honky tonk guy. Merle Haggard oh. was his fave. My mom followed the Beatles around a little bit um, when she was younger. Um, so, you know, pop music um, as a Zumba teacher, I love Latin music, pop music, hip hop music, but, but at my core, you know, I, I grew up a teenager in the nineties. So, you know, I love punk rock. I love indie rock. I love emo, dare I say. And so it's, it's garage rock with some of those flavors, you know, from like ballads to, to dancier stuff, but it's emerging. Um, you know, just yesterday I spent three hours with a new collaborator just hanging out at um, Easy Tiger talking about this concept album that we're planning to write about the human condition. Um, and and I'm just so excited because I just feel like the, when you go on Spotify and you hear this sort of garage rock EP from Parker Woodland, um, it's just the beginning. I, I can just feel all the seeds of things that are growing into kind of an artistic um, path and diversity um, that you haven't even heard yet that I'm excited to, to, to get born, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I think that's, uh, to me, all of the best musicians, the musicians that have impacted me and that I'm, that I've, that I've remained a fan of for, you know, decades are those who are constantly shifting and adapting and growing and innovating their sound they're what I would call, you know, as opposed to just being musicians, they're true artists and there's a point of view and their point of view evolves along with them themselves individually as members of the band yeah. and collectively. And to me, yeah. that's just delightful. I mean, it is delightful to take a, a really good band's catalog and to start in the beginning and to listen to how they evolved over time as you work your way yeah. through it. I'm so excited about that. And I mean, and I'm so encouraged by female artists that, you know, really come into their own in the second half of their life or, you know, it's like, I I know that it's possible. I know that it's not too late and, and it's never too late. I mean, my grandfather picked up a guitar in his eighties, but for any of us, you know, today is the day to start if there's something that you want to start. But, but for me having made music my whole life. So, so I have to remember, like I, 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 I'm not starting. I am, I've been doing this all along, but to take on this kind of new project and go much deeper with it. Um, I, I, at first I thought like, Oh, what it is at the beginning is what it is. Um, and then I had, I've had all these different conversations with female artists. I've been on a mission to, to meet up with different women that I admire in this work. And it's been so inspiring. Um, and every single one of them, their bands have gone through changes. They've had lineup changes. They've had growth in how they, you know, what their style is. And, that's how a lot of the music that I love is an example that I think surprises people sometimes, but I love Kesha. Uh-huh. And oh yeah. I love 
I love her. And when she started, I mean, I have her book. <laughs> when she started, she, you know, it was just like a, a pop dance, you know, thing. And she has grown. I love her Rainbow album. And I love the one that came after that, High Road, I think it is. Um, there's duets with like Eagles of Death Metal. And then there's a duet with Dolly Parton. And then there's a ballad at the piano. And then there's like a dance banger. But it's still so clearly her because you she is communicating as an artist. Um, and I just love that. So and there's a lot of examples of people like that. But but she's one that I, I hold close to my heart. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I love it, especially when artists are not taken seriously, and then they come you know, they come back out with just, you know, something that <laughs> blows your mind. Right. And I, I see yeah. that a lot with women artists, especially. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a friend who's really obsessed with Rebecca Black. Do you know who she is? I've heard. Yes. I know that name. What is that song? The, she So she released that song. Friday yeah. Night or something? Yeah. Friday, Friday. Friday. Which she released when she was a teenager. And yeah. uh, she just got like raked over the coals yes. by the internet people were so hateful to her when she was very young she was not even a adult like she was very young and mm -hmm. uh so now she you know she and, and she's recorded songs about you know what it was like to go through all of that and um and now okay. she's ended up becoming like this huge queer icon like she's queer herself but this huge queer icon and she does all these you know uh conferences and things where um people recognize Wow. You know, yeah, no, what what she's been through and also that she actually has talent and how easy right. it is for us to, in our, you know, awfulness, sit back and judge and criticize and hurl things at individuals that we don't even know based on bullshit criteria, like, like of, right. who we, of what we think, you know, is good. <laughs> right. 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 Uh, absolutely. And almost yeah. always absolutely. that is, that is, uh, done more heavily when it comes to to women I think absolutely yeah. well I definitely want to go check out her stuff now thank you for for that recommendation the, um that's a bit also how I feel one of my other favorite bands um is Paramore mm -hmm. and, and they were in a particular you know pop punk niche when they started and I just think Haley Williams has done an incredible job of persevering through all the changes in that band, all this, the crap she's taken as a young female front person and, you know, grown, gone through marriage and divorce, dealt with depression. She's talked about that mm -hmm. in her interviews. She made a solo album, but I also just fiercely love the Paramore albums that came out of the struggles of the band and, and what it meant to have fame and all of these things. Um, and, and now, you know, I feel like their, their music is much more genre defying when you listen to yep. it, you know, there's a mix on, on the albums, but, but yeah, it's like who takes, when I say Paramore, like it's a small selection of people who even take that seriously right. because they still think of like this teenage band or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I, I'm super excited for your journey and I, um, I really admire that you're owning it. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people that would not listen to that call, right. That would just hear it and say, uh, I'm going to take this other road that seems more reasonable, logical, safe or whatever. And, yeah. uh, which is not to say that you're insane for doing what you're doing, but also <laughs> it's not the, it is the riskier, riskier move. Right. And yet you seem to be thriving and, you know, living your best Thank life. You. And I'm, I'm, oh, that's what I want for you. myself. 
That's what I want for my kids. That's what I want for, for everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't pretend that it's easy. That's for sure. But I feel, I, I just feel like I like listening to your interview with, with Ansley. Um, it's like, I would sing every day and why not, you know? Um, and, and so I think we've experienced in the pandemic, you know, how much of the messaging in our lives is so capitalist. Yeah. Um, and, and to remember that things like getting to rest, to make art, to live frugally so that you can afford, you know, financially to spend time on your art or, you know, that, that, that to do those things, you know, that, that we, we don't have to justify our existence based on, um, you know, capitalist uh, structures. And, and that's, but that voice is in my head too. And, and again, it's just like developing a, a stronger voice to oppose that and to keep pushing through. Yeah. Wonderful. And then surrounding yourself with people like you to remember that, you know, to lift each other up along the way. It really, it really helps. I appreciate what you're doing. You're not, you're not kidding. I have recognized only recently, sadly, only recently, um, how valuable it is, how important it is to have people who are a little bit crazy around you. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way, right? I embrace yeah. that as, uh, you know, if, if you're not living your life in a way that makes people question your sanity, at least part of the time, I don't, are you really living? Like I want, <laughs> I don't like, it doesn't yeah. have to make sense to anybody. Right. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you can't, it really is hard to go it alone. So you need to find other people who are committed to that same kind of, you know, mentality who can at least encourage you and be like, is this still what's resonating with you? If so, yeah. fuck them. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I want to just lift up with gratitude, Ralph and Dan, who recorded that EP with me. And then my friend, Sam Hensley, who's been playing acoustic guitar and harmonies along the, the past year and a half of like, anytime there was a pandemic live stream or, or things like that, he was doing that with me. And then there's a new person in my Parker Woodland life, Andrea Carroll, who's playing violin and singing harmonies. And, you know, it's, it is a community thing. I, like I said, I'm excited about my friend, Andrea. Andrew, that we're, we're working on this um, rock opera concept album thing together. I mean, the hardest part of this pandemic was that every single part of my life was about bringing people together in community, mm. coming together at Wildflower Church, the church I'm affiliated with, coming together at the YMCA, coming together in a Zumba class, coming together in a rock show, coming together in my neighborhood with Parker Woodland and friends. And every single one of those things, you know, is like chopped off. Um, and we found ways to do that over Zoom. Thank goodness for technology for those things. But but I would say that music was probably the hardest one to go it mostly alone about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's just so much grief. Um, I'm also a writer. So I wrote a few pieces like for the Austin American Statesman and for some other things about this, just like about grappling with it. And so that's what I've missed the most is is the the time with other people. And so reaching out to people like you and, and, and other like particularly female creatives, like it has made such the difference. And it also reminds you that like, no, you're not crazy. Like many, 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 many people are staking their claim in this world as artists and they're doing it. And, and so once you surround yourself with them, it doesn't seem foolish anymore. It seems yeah. amazing. That's right. That's right. It, it really is. It's so delightful to move into a space where somebody recently told me actually, as, as a 
piece of career advice, but to me, it, it just goes across the board. He said, go where you're celebrated. Right. And I realized for a long time, I was trying to go to places where people didn't see my value or didn't appreciate what I had to offer. And I, I felt like I was constantly trying to convince people that I was, I was worth something to them. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you find that there's this whole group of people that are just like, Oh no, we like what you do. We like who you are. Come hang with us. And suddenly you're just like, Oh, what, what have I been doing this whole time? Yes. And actually that, again, Adrienne Marie Brown talks about that, like orgasmic. Yes. (laughs) Like finding the people who are like, yes, about what you're doing and who you are. And like, and I went through that in seminary too, because there is a lot of like looking at what your growing edges are looking at where you aren't, Uh you know, fully or whatever. Um, but, but then I think I got stuck in that and it was so hard. And then my mentor one time, you know, it was like time for my final project. Um, and I said, you know, I, I, what if we do this thing for the final project? And he was like, don't you want to do something about like dance or music or the arts? <laughs> and I was like, oh, and, and I was like, well, I thought I needed to like prove about my growing edges. And he was like, no, 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 no. Like you need to root your ministry in what you are awesome at and what you love and what brings you joy. Otherwise you're going to burn out. Right. You know? And it was just like, I, I, I kind of hate that I needed someone to say that to me, but I'm so glad he did. And I just want to say that to anyone is like to root your life in the thing that you love because yeah, otherwise who wants to burn out in this one life that we have? Amen, sister. Thanks. Amen. Thanks. Yeah. I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, if people want to listen to either of your bands or yeah. attend services where you're preaching or just, you know, come and dance fan, Zoom. <laughs> yeah fan, fangirl or whatever where do where do people find you thanks for asking um i would love 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 people to come and find me um at parkerwoodland.com so that's p-a-r-k-e-r-w-o-o-d-l-a-n-d.com you can get on the email list there you can see our videos it'll show you all of our links to all of our socials and everything and there's also an email form so if you send me an email through that through the form um, I can also tell you the like secret link to my Zoom Zumba class. We can dance together. I do like a Friday dance party for people all around. Um, and then I, if you also want to connect just about my ministry, because I do like weddings and memorial services and and all kinds of you know spiritual support for people. I also have my own website, which is just AaronWalter.com. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, what I'll do is in my show notes, I'll link to all of those things. So people, if they, you know, wherever they're getting their podcast, they can quickly click, uh, sorry, quickly click over there and find you. Awesome. But um, I, I am looking forward to coming and hearing you play soon. Yay. Live. Yes. Yes. Um, Super excited about it. I'm committed to playing um, out. I know it's hot, but like outdoor, hopefully shady spots for a little while. Cause I still have one child who's not old enough to be vaccinated. Um, but, but come enjoy some outdoor music, but there's a lot online too for folks. And then, you know, before too long, we'll be able to be um, in the sweaty clubs again. So <laughs> gradual, gradual, I, I'm going with gradual right now. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I would love to see you in the world. <laughs> Excellent. Aaron, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, good luck. And I will definitely uh, let you know when this is up and promote this far and wide. And hopefully 
people will come to know Thanks. all about Thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much again for all that you're doing and, and, you know, keep, keep living your best life too. Will do. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.